media is it normalizes our reality, right? Mm -hmm. It literally paints what our reality is. So if you don't have people who are also showcasing you different narratives and perspectives, perspectives, then how can how can you see anything differently? <laughs> Helping people move is is a, is a good, I won't say a tactic because I, do, I don't do it for reasons. But like it's it's good. It's like it's not something you have to call back on. But sometimes, yeah. sometimes like because people like appreciate it so much. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. When I help me, and I help people move all the time. It's clutch. Yeah. The last time I moved, I didn't ask anybody. Yeah. It's it's, wanna, it's it's hard yeah. to ask. Exactly. It's hard yeah. to ask people. And like, people are always like, as you get older, when you're younger though, yeah, it's so much more easier. You're like. Just drinking beers the entire yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Because you only, you only by pay, the end, you're scratching up walls because everybody's <laughs> you, you know, and you, you paint them in, in a case of beer and some pizza. So it's not yeah. like so it's like it's really like, yeah. you appreciate. But that's it. still the that's still the way that you can pay people. Yeah. Right. Like I don't. Anytime I've helped a friend move, it's just been like they'll order food. Yeah. That's yeah. Every, everybody gets it's like it's like just helping out because it's just it's yeah. like a bond, it's a bonding moment too. Like, yeah. So. When are you moving? August. Okay. August. At least it's a good time of year to move. It's warm. It's t no, it's not warm. It's hot. It is too hot. August, come on. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be mad. <laughs> August is too hot. August is way. Don't don't get me started on summer. I moved in <laughs> September and it wasn't bad. Yeah, weather was. September's bad. good because then it's like you're tapering off a little bit. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Plus, sure. you you miss that like initial rush where everybody's moving at the end of summer. Yeah. yeah. What's, your, what's your favorite month? October. Is your birthday in October? Yeah. It doesn't count. <laughs> well, like, like, I think it's. I do think it's the best month. Like September, October, I do think it's the best month. What? October what? For fashion. Thirteenth. Yeah. Oh, my sister's. That's the my 16th. dad's birthday. Look For real? That. Yeah. My sister's the sixteenth. My sister's the sixteenth. I know so many people Libra. with the sixteenth. Libra's life. Yeah. yeah. I've been learning a lot. So a few people on my team are big into astrology. Mm -hmm. And then it's every day they're having conversations. This yeah. sign gets along with this sign. This and then apparently there's like moons or something like yeah, that, yeah, depending yeah, on yeah. the time that you're born. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the whole, the whole birth chart. Yeah, whole, it's like crazy. Born, do you, right, are, are you are you a trustworthy person? Like you, not you being trustworthy. Like, do you trust people easily? No. Yeah, my dad's the same way. No, not at all. But when you trust someone, I'm loyal to a fault. Yeah, my dad, exact same thing. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, all right, this astrology stuff, whatever. But then yeah. there's so many commonalities between people. I'm like, maybe there is. Something there could to be it. something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I... What's your sign? Scorpio. Ooh. So what did, what did that? That's isn't that right after? Uh, yeah, yeah, November. Yeah, it's like November. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 November yeah. what? Eighteen. Okay. My yeah, sister's yeah. November sixteenth. Sixteen. Jeez, you have you, all your families. What's yeah. your say? December sixth. I'm a Sag. Oh, yeah. we're like right all after each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Brandon, Brandon Gomez. Welcome to the Gen Stock Pod, brother. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you both for having me. I'm Thank excited to be here. Oh, this is great. This is uh, we're excited to have this conversation because uh, you do a lot of cool stuff, man. You think so? I know yes, so. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. most of I watch your stuff. <laughs> like, okay, start us from the the beginning here. How did that all even happen? Because it's one thing to go and work for traditional media. It's another to go and say, "Screw it, I'm going to start my own thing." I know, right? Sometimes I think about it, and I'm like, I'm really crazy. <laughs> Either really crazy or really smart. I'm leaning on the smart side. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it's like it's been a whole new beginning for me, um, because I've added on so many different hats now. Uh, I'm no longer just a reporter or a journalist. Now, I'm a business owner, a CEO a leader, you know, management, you know, all of these things that, yeah. you know, you, you, you don't necessarily fully think about when you kind of make this leap and this jump. Um, but it has been probably the most rewarding, like two years so far that I've ever experienced. Yeah. I think I've grown immensely, like personally, professionally, just my life outlook, you know, things just change when you have such so many more responsibilities that you've never had before. Um, and I'm happy that I went through that. Uh, and I'm loving it. And, and, and it wasn't an easy decision. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> it was not an easy decision. A lot decision. of sleepless nights. I wouldn't say sleepless, but definitely a lot of drinks. <laughs> <laughs> definitely a lot of drinks. <laughs> to help with some of those nights. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, because it's like a stable nine to five job that I had, right? 
and you, uh, and you walked away from that that I walked away from um, and for a long time that was my dream to get to where I was in my career um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who've gone through that like you know you're going through school you're thinking about what do I want to do with my career what do I want to do with my life what's that ultimate goal and then you fight 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 it could be through your 20s or your 30s whenever you kind of have that start your journey and then you start getting to these levels and you're getting closer and closer and closer and then you actually get to that to that level you finally reach that dream and then sometimes you're like what now <laughs> you know like yeah. what now is this it is this what it feels like because what if you have more to offer what if you, what if you have more to give what if what if you have more to say you and know? i take it that's where you were you know that's part of the conversation for sure right that's part of the conversation. Was there was there a catalyst or a trigger that made you think, you know what, I need to I need to make a change? You know, part of making the decision came down to we were in the midst of the pandemic and everybody was feeling it at this point. I mean, we we all sat with our thoughts, we sat where with where we are at in life, what are we doing? What do we want to do? Have we taken the risks? that we feel like we should have taken. And that was part of the same conversations I was having in my own head, you know? And I wanted to do more. I knew I had more to offer. I knew there were more conversations that I wanted to kind of facilitate. I knew how many stories were not being told. I knew how many opportunities were closed off to people who look like me and everybody in this room. I knew what was happening in the traditional legacy media space. I knew what was happening in the digital space. And I said, nobody's really doing anything there. And why not? Hmm. You know, there's so much happening in our city when it comes with creatives and like issues that need to be talked about. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And like communities that left that are left like just to waver in the wind. And nobody's talking about what's happening in those communities, whether good or potentially bad that needs to be fixed. And our city is so diverse. There's so much going on. But like sometimes you look at like you know the media that's out there and it doesn't necessarily give the proper reflection it's almost like sometimes they glaze over what's happening in Toronto they look at what's happening in other places no shade I'm just saying that you know mm -hmm. we're sometimes missing that ecosystem right hmm. and I love our city I love Toronto <laughs> man I love Toronto I'm a Toronto man still I I love Canada in general and I've lived across this country and I've and I've always noticed that and everybody talks about it like you know, we, we get we get consumed with so much American media and all these things. And what what about our stories? You know, and who's who's gonna pick up that mantle? Who's gonna run with that? So here's this boy BG. You know, <laughs> Jamaican background, <laughs> raised just to do what you feel like doing and yeah. go for it. You know, and live through live by faith. So that's 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 where things that's I'm just kind of giving perspective yeah. of how my no, head works and great. upbringing yeah. because that's kind of like how I kind of make my decisions. Yeah, you know I definitely am an overthinker, but once I get to a place, you know it's like let's go go big or go home. How long did you speaking of like overthinking? Because a lot of people, at least I'd assume a lot of people, at least me, um, do you think yo, I'm quitting this job? Man. <laughs> like I'm, yo, I'm off. This. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like how long did you? Think about that before actually making you know, I'm, I'm actually gonna do it. Then, like, how did that feel when you actually did it? So, I was thinking about it for a little while. Um, I would say maybe a few months. I was having conversations just with my inner circle, very, very tight circle, about just ideas, you know? Like, what if? What do you think about this? And then I start, you know, started to, you know, once you start thinking about something, you say it out loud. Then you start to see a picture in your head, right? You start to manifest different things. It's crazy the power of manifestation. And then after once, you know, I'm a creative. So once my head starts painting a picture, it's like now I'm putting in the details and you're starting to think about all the things. And, and, and I'm seeing this portrait of like, what could this actually look like? And then once you finally see what it looks like, you ask yourself, well, do I paint the picture or do I leave it as a dream? And every time I think about it, I'm like, if I leave this as a dream, what does that mean for this beautiful vision that I painted in my head? Who's ever going to see this beautiful picture that I know is a masterpiece? Like, think about if the person who painted the Mona Lisa never painted the Mona Lisa. Mm -hmm. 
Just thought about it. Because they were too scared to paint the Mona Lisa. We would never have the Mona Lisa. Mm. And the Mona Lisa is the most famous picture in the entire world. Yeah. So it's just that, like, if I don't go ahead and try to paint this portrait in real life, nobody will ever see what could potentially be, you know, the greatest endeavor, you know, in Toronto media. Mm Mm-hmm. What will be the greatest endeavor? There we go, there we go. <laughs> speak it. You gotta speak, speak it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's where I kind of that's where I kind of land. I, I I just land there, and then the other part where I land is what I've learned over the course of my career. You know, taking risks and going to smaller markets to get to where I was was that life. I don't want to live life with regrets, because tomorrow is not promised. You know, like during the pandemic, I lost a few people in in my family who it was just out of nowhere yeah. right and here we are not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow we we have no clue what's going to happen tomorrow who's going to get catch this thing next who's going to fall off next you yeah. have no idea yeah and you're like tomorrow literally is not promised so if there's something you want to do might as well you go and do it don't live in fear i couldn't live in fear that's crazy yeah not knowing what your next step is just sitting there constantly holding on to to what you think is security 100 percent. you know so i just took the leap of faith and i said listen if it fails i'm gonna learn something from it i mean definitely a lot of people are gonna learn something from it because it's so damn public (laughs) (laughs) well that's the other thing too is like what your your endeavor is a very public endeavor yeah so there's a lot of eyeballs there's a lot of people that know what you're doing your your successes are public but your failures are public yeah, it's so crazy because I was talking with somebody on my team the other day and um, they had brought this up and I was and I never have had sat with that thought before where it's like literally since I left university and started in this uh, career path in this industry, every day that I go to work has been in front of an audience, people who I don't know at that, but like literally this, the mistakes, the things I do well. All those things, bad days, good days, are seen by other people. It's not like I can work in my private office and if I'm having a bad day, ain't nobody going to know. Yeah, It's like every day is like you're in front of people. I never really sat with that and what kind of, what does that do to your, like, your psyche and like how you move through this, the world and, and all those things. And it really is kind of like weird when you really think about that. You know, like imagine like every day, like we know, you know, yeah. Are you? Do you know how to speak English today? <laughs> Can you put a coherent sentence today? Yeah. <laughs> you know, do you look good today? Yeah. It's like, that's crazy when you really think about that. You know what I mean? Like, that's super, super crazy. And then here we are studying this next journey, and it's such a public thing, too. I'm like, damn, I'm really living out, like, you know, my life in public, which is why I really try to be a private person when it comes to my personal life. Because okay. there, I find, like, there needs to be some stuff that are held sacred, not saying that I don't like people to know, you know, what's happening with BG, but for me personally, I've always been naturally a private person. It just so happened that my passion was storytelling and my avenue was that it was a public avenue of television broadcasting mm-hmm. to tell those stories. But, you know, like the real me is really, really private. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't I don't care for the, you know, the recognition and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I like to travel because I like to walk through cities anonymously and experience life and experience what's going on and all those things because then you get to experience it like a normal human being you're mm-hmm. not getting special treatment here not say this and sometimes special treatment <laughs> <laughs> not everybody wants to wait in the line all the time <laughs> but you know what i'm saying yeah, like yeah, you get to right. it's important to stay true to what is actually happening yeah on the ground level because then you lose sense of reality mm. right because you don't have the everyday experience if you don't have that, if you're not in touch with reality, then how can you tell proper stories? Mm. You know what I'm saying? So for me, that's like, that's super, super important for me. So I try everything in my power to try to stay grounded and not let the hoopla of what is the BG brand and everything else that comes with that distract from what my core is, which is somebody, you know, with Jamaican background, a little bit bossy on the outside, but really on the inside, I love my home. I love home cooked meals. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I like my inner circle. You know, you know what I'm saying. So yeah. you keep yeah. your inner circle small. One hundred percent. Smaller the better. Yeah, yeah. It's important. That's I think that's some of the lessons that always seem to come through with our guests is how small their circles are. There's something to be said about that, um, especially when you're sharing 
you know, your most inner thoughts and your dreams, your ambitions, your failures, all those things, you have to really be cognizant about who are those people that you're sharing those things with. Energy is so important, right? And not everybody has has a positive outlook for your life, hmm. right? And you have to sense that from people. And also be okay that not everybody is going to have that for you. Yeah. But the people who you do surround yourself with, you need to make sure that it is 100% positivity. Because what people speak over your life, or when you share something that is so personal with other people, and they then transfer energy that is negative, that dream could be kiboshed right there and then. I'm an advocate for if you believe you want to do something and you it, it, and it, it, it is truly your passion and it's your dream, hold that. You don't even tell anybody. Tell whoever you believe in. Talk to them. Yeah. But protect that because pa- like words are powerful. What I'm saying about my own life is powerful. What you guys say about my life after I leave here is also powerful. Mm-hmm. But I know I walk with a lot of people who are praying over me, thank God. We've got a lot of prayer warriors, so I walk with faith, right? I mm-hmm. walk through life with faith. Even if, if I know people don't like me, I know, you know, I have prayer warriors who are praying a protection over me. And I think everybody needs that. And some people don't have that. That's why no matter what you do, you have to protect. You have to protect what means the most to you, which is also goes back to the part of sometimes why I'm a little bit private, you know? Because I want to protect those things. I want to protect the people in my life, for example, what I'm building behind the scenes and all those things. Mm-hmm. Speaking on energy, how do you... Say in your room and you sense somebody's negative energy. Mm-hmm. How do you coexist in that room with them and not like? Because me and someone, depending on obviously the energy level, but usually I'm just like, I'm off this. Like I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't need to be in the room because I usually don't need to be in the room. Mm-hmm. Like it's you know you and let's say you're in your CEO, you're mm-hmm. in your CEO, you have your CEO hat on. Mm-hmm. You have to be in that room now. Yeah. So you can't. You don't have the option to really leave. But then that negative energy is still there. Like how do you? Well, I can coexist with any energy. Mm. Thank goodness. But that, but it's a that skill did, yeah. to be able to do that. But the one thing is that once you sense that, now you know, you know how much are you willing to open up, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you don't want to share everything with someone that's yeah. that's only going to bring you down. So there's always going to be people that you know come in with you. It's whether it could be baggage. Whether you you could sense that they're ready for a tear, like you know, as you get older, you and you start really listening, and this is why I, you know I like to say like no matter what you go through in life, it's a learning experience. Never have regrets because you'll learn from that, and then once you take the lessons from that, then you'll know how to maneuver moving forward, right? So it's like as you grow up, you deal with so many different types of people, right? And you mm-hmm. start to realize this is a person who does this, you know, people can do this, and maybe when you're younger, you didn't react the best way when encountering those people, but. Don't look at that as a regret. Look at that as a lesson. How can I react differently when I encounter somebody like that again later on in life? And so fortunately, I've been able to interact with a lot of different people. So when I encounter people like that, it's all good. I, I just know how to react, right? And I know how to, how, to, how to move in that situation strategically, A, to protect me. Mm-hmm. That's it. I'm just protecting me. I'm protecting my peace. I'm protecting my energy. I'm protecting me. That's just it. So it's not like, oh, you know, you're you're backing down from no, it's just I'm protecting me. Not every not everybody deserves a reaction too. Mm. Some people literally could be walking in the room and they're looking for, you know, they, they might know different players in the room and strategically they're trying to get a reaction from a, a player so they, they can undermine them later on in life, right? Everybody's walking around. That they have their inner thoughts, they have all those things. So you just have to once you know that and once you can you, you can protect yourself, you're good. Mm. Being able to protect your energy, I think, is such an important thing. And yeah. not elicit, not giving a reaction, I think, is such a powerful thing. Because typically, as guys, we we're quick to react, we're quick to pull that trigger and just be in, with aggression too. In mm-hmm. most cases, learning to pull that back oftentimes gets misconstrued as weakness, when in reality, it's even more powerful than a an, a loud reaction of some kind. One hundred percent. You know, a lot of <laughs> my TV career moments were reactions. Mm-hmm. but they were reactions that most people didn't anticipate, you know, somebody like me would react with, mm. right? Like, How so? I think, you know, preconceived notions that a lot of people might have, right? Like, you know, I've walked into many of rooms and, you know, I might not agree with 
something that somebody says and then you can sense that people are expecting me to react a certain way mm. a because i'm a man b because i'm black right mm. and when you don't give people that satisfaction it confuses them I'll give them that reaction is is the best reaction. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, it, you know, it is. At one time, I was reporting live on TV, and this man—it was during the height of COVID—and this man came, shirtless, no mask, up in my in, in my space, head head in, you know. And naturally, I'm sure people at home were either gonna be like, he's either not gonna say anything and gonna just pretend like it didn't happen, or he's gonna like tell this guy to f off mm-hmm. or get thing. I just said, "Excuse me, sir, you're doing too much." Yeah, yeah I remember that. you're doing too much. <laughs> But for the and I'm thinking that's just be, that's just me on a, on a daily like you know what I'm saying it's just that's all you're gonna get from me and I'm protecting myself and I'm moving and I'm moving on, mm-hmm. but I think for a lot of people it was like it was like what like that you know it was just like how he just pivoted you know yeah, what I mean he just yeah. pivoted and he just kept it pushing yeah and there's something to be said with getting there it's not easy to get there it takes a lot of time and, and you know restraint and and all those things and building the inside mm-hmm. but once you get there it's so powerful just to be like. Yeah, you're doing too much and you're keeping it pushing and you don't even give that person a, a, another another second ounce of energy. Yeah. You just keep it pushing. You protect your energy. I could have stayed there and I could have been like, this guy tried to ruin my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this was a big story too. We were talking about, you know, a, a rallying outside of the police headquarters downtown Toronto for rights, for yeah. civil, you know, for, for, for rights of black people and stuff like that. It was a Black Lives Matter rally. And I could have been pissed the entire day, upset the entire day, could have ruined my entire day. I'm not gonna give that guy that power over me. Yeah. <laughs> Are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> Good for no. you though for for having the the presence of mind on the spot in the middle of a a, a live telecast. There's not let it phase you. No, you can't. That had to take practice though. This comes with experience. A lot of yeah. people try to phase you over life. Yeah. You like that always, or is because you're like that's business? Is it both ways? Like you're always on that level in terms of protecting like in, the, in that type mm-hmm. of situation because sometimes obviously on camera you have to like you're just doing too much mm-hmm. right normally would it be an ignore situation or would you like off camera yeah no I mean uh, listen I, I'll still address the situation if it needs to be addressed mm-hmm. but once I address it I'm done with the situation yeah. I can't let it eat me on the inside even even nowadays right like in my new life with running my own media company there are things that get, still get me upset there are things that get me sad there are things that get me annoyed but I take that I address it in that moment, and then I let it go. How do you let it go? What do you What do you do? I breathe. Like inhale, exhale. Inhale, exhale, and then I remind myself. Look where I got to today. No, seriously. I mean, mm. like on my way to work, I could have gotten into a car crash. Mm. Coming up the stairs into the office, I could have tripped, bust up my leg, bust up my eyebrow, bust up my face. Mm. But I'm here. Yeah. And then I try to remember the person who's doing this or creating this problem, whatever it could be. Are they potentially going through through something? So then I remove myself out of the situation. Right? So take the personal out hmm. and then actually just look at the situation. And then once you analyze it from that perspective, then it it feels less of like a personal burden and more something that you can actually control. Or handle yeah. or take care of yeah. once you can remove the personal out of it that's why a lot of people react right because it's personal it mm. feels personal and once anything feels personal then we, re- we naturally react mm. but if we just take a second and pause breathe take the personal out of it yeah realize in most cases it probably isn't even personal yeah, not, probably yeah, isn't not, personal. it has nothing, nothing to do with, with you. you yeah a lot of these people who say these crazy things on the street we see these videos all the time People go on these racist tirades against people out of nowhere. I'm not saying the person who's getting attacked don't react, right? But why is that? It's sometimes it's not the fact that you're black or or you're a person of color or or you you know you're LGBTQ whatever it is. Sometimes it's the fact that that person hates themselves, mm-hmm. and now they're projecting. You you were just there at the time, and they wanted to get that off their chest. Could have been That's anyone it. else. It's it's, that. it's, yeah. it's like when you're driving a car. And someone passes, or like someone does something stupid in the car. Mm-hmm. I don't like to look at the car because I, in my mind, I think I've told you this before. Uh, it's like the person just, no matter what you say, that person's gonna have some. It's a negative thought. So they're ready. They're it gonna, could be yeah. your favorite person that you think that looks like, but you're gonna like, you're gonna find something to hate. Like that's stupid, right? Insert it. Boom. 
right? Because because you want it, you want that, you want you want to get that out. So like sometimes in that situation, they just so they're gonna find yes, maybe yes, because you're black. But like yeah. it could have been if it was a white person in the same situation, they'd be like they'll find something white about you. Like it wasn't like potentially, yeah. potentially, and that's not to diminish anybody who's gone through those things, right? Because we should never expect the person on the receiving end always to have the the energy yeah. or the the ability, right, to control that reaction. And I bring this up because that's very important for everybody to understand. You know, when we see a lot of stories about, let's say, police interactions with certain communities, and then a lot of times when we see what people are talking about after hearing that those stories is why didn't that person who was the victim react differently? Hmm. And I bring this up because not everybody has been through a journey where they can control that. Or has you know has, has overcome things where they can get there. The majority of people are not there, and that's okay. But we all have to remember that we all, for the at some point in our life, would react just like that, yeah, and maybe still are. Hundred yeah. percent. And also in situations like, also the they want like the artists when they want you to react a certain way, right? So it's just like yes, I reacted, but it's like because you were like pushing, right? And and you can only push me so much, especially because you are this authoritative figure. Obviously, your push, even if you're doing like this, it's gonna be it's gonna feel a lot more and it's like I'm already have my back against the wall and push and it's like yeah I reacted because you pushed me like, yeah. you only push somebody so many times but then now now you're just down the rabbit hole at that yeah. point and now you've like it, it's on their side yeah and then that's it exactly. it's like the story you told me about when you were driving here to the studio and you had that cop car next to you yeah car pulls up and it's just right beside me yeah I look over cops looking at my car I'm like okay roll down the window look over she's like oh your front headlights out I'm like, which one? She's like, the right one. And she goes, yeah, next time you get a ticket. And she drives off. In my head, I'm like, oh, cool, that's awesome. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking out for me. It's a black lady, too. I'm like, mm-hmm. looking out for me. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, yeah, yeah, man. Like, fuck, like, you know, looking mm-hmm. out for me. I would have got a ticket. Stop my car, go to my buddy. Nothing's wrong with my car. Both mm-hmm. headlights are working. Back, everything's good. Wow. Nothing. It'll a reaction. And that's been sitting in my head for two weeks, bro. Wow. Still elicit a reaction. It's, it's, and it's like, clearly, it's still sitting, like, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, but you, like, you don't get the even because end of the day is like obviously like, I didn't give her that reaction at the time, but she still got the, like it's and it still sits yeah. and it's like I'm just like why like mm-hmm. why and it's just a question like I'll never get the answer to but like it, like and that's kind of shit when, when you look at things so now next time I get in a situation I'm gonna be even more like and I'm gonna be like nah man like nah there's nothing wrong with my car mm-hmm. like how am I not supposed to act that way now right but like I still have to sit there and be like what are you talking like you know and still and then, okay and it happens again it happens again and I was like yo stop fucking pulling me over yeah. But like in this situation, well, I'm just coming to you nice. It's like, well, yes, but like ten people, every single time, like like, and it's it's a reaction of like, yeah, like maybe in this situation, yes, I might have been coming in more aggressive in this situation. It's because you guys kept fucking pushing me for fucking years, mm-hmm. and then people snap. Yeah, people snap. You know, that's the thing. You catch people, they catch people in the days. We're talking about like in that same situation. Sometimes when somebody hits your, uh, I'm saying like, if you hit somebody in the shopping cart in the back of your foot, and that person freaks. Right, it's just like you don't need to be that mad about me hitting you, but mm-hmm. it's like because you've been holding like whatever that is, is obviously something else going on in that situation. Yeah. So the same situation, you got to realize that something. Okay, they got some shit going on. Time to walk away, but it's it's hard sometimes too, right? It's hard, and that's where we have to try to find healing. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. It sucks when you have to heal something that that you didn't cause. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know. Yeah. That that that's a responsibility that also doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah, you got to figure out, like, you're not going to get the closure that you want. You won't get the closure. You'll you'll never get that closure about, why did I have to deal with those microaggressions? Mm -hmm. Why did I have to deal with those aggressions in general? Maybe they're not even micro because it's still sitting with you. So that's actually a macro aggression. And you will never get those answers. And this is something that people really need to understand. There are generations of people who will never get answers. Mm -hmm. But now they have to find a way to heal. That's a heavy burden. That is a heavy burden. Yeah. How do you even heavy. do something like that? Right? It, like I, I think people are no just figuring. Answer. Yeah, I think people are just figuring it out as they go, and it's through trial and error. And this is where empathy comes into play. A hundred percent. Right. This is where people, more than tolerance, because I think tolerance is just. I hate the word tolerance. So do I, because to me, if I tolerate you, it means I'm. You stay as you are, but there. Mm-hmm. If I empathize with you. I'm willing to, to, to meet you halfway. You meet me halfway. Let's have an authentic conversation with and each other. And grow. And grow, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. I hate the word. To- whenever I hear politicians say we are a tolerant society, that's not good. 
Yeah. It just means you're still different and I don't like it, but I'll accept you as you are as long as you stay within the box I've just created for 100%. you. 100%. Yeah. You know, we need to be a more empathetic society. Yeah, 100% agree with that. Man, the world would be a, l- a lot better place mm-hmm. if we had more of that. Especially, you know, from people who hold the purse strings and are in powerful positions. You know, the world would be a much better place. I'm telling you. And that's where it comes to, that's why the power of media is so important. Right? This is why I, I got into media. Because I was going to say, is this why storytelling is so important to you? It is so important because who's telling the stories and what stories are they telling? Mm-hmm. And what perspective are they telling it from? We just had a conversation about how I could have literally t- talked about the exact same thing from a whole different perspective. Mm-hmm. I could have said, you know, people who, you know, have micro, they just need to get over it. Right. They need to get over it because you can't just live it. You know, you need to get over it. Well, there are people who actually think like that. Yeah. And yeah. if that's the a same lot of people. Right. And if that's the narrative and perspective that's continuously being told in all different outlets where you're consuming information and stories, then you're naturally going to start thinking like that a little bit too. Well, it normalizes. It nor- it. There you go. Yeah. Media is it normalizes our reality. Right? Mm-hmm. It literally paints what our reality is. So if you don't have people who are also showcasing you different narratives and perspectives, perspectives then how can how can you see anything differently and so this is what i realized at a young age when i was really interested in like news like i used to watch you know young and the restless with my grandma growing up <laughs> no way so every, ja- every jamaican every jamaican yeah. probably watch young and the restless yeah. the theme Lisa Renna was a menace. Yeah, Um, (laughs) Yeah, I still remember Victor Newman and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, But um, what was I saying again? (laughs) I'm not sure. Oh, you just took me down. No, I was just saying. Okay, so I was going. I went down memory lane. So this is where I started to get like really interested in news because I would after Young and the Restless, then came the Global News. Yeah, and I think I actually mixed up my um, my uh, soap operas with Lisa Renna. My bad, but. that's that's when I started watching the news, and I thought yeah. this was so interesting. The the power of the mic, the power of these mics. Who do you have sitting in the chair? What stories are they telling? What questions are you guys deciding to ask? Right. That's powerful. Mm. Right. Well, it shapes the narrative, and then it normalizes certain conversations. One hundred percent. You guys have done such a good job doing that. Appreciate. Thank that. you. Right. You've normalized a conversation to see that men are multifaceted. Yes. I think the biggest thing is that you can be a man, a strong, powerful, confident man, and still show your emotions. And that doesn't make you any less of a man. And who was doing that before? Not enough people. How many people now, when they interact with men, might be, have their, you know, guards down a little bit and might Mm -hmm. empathize more when there's a reaction that they're not used to seeing? Mm -hmm. That's that's the goal. Right. Eventually, right? Because you always want every to be just the same thing on a more empathetic level because it's just it's easier it's simple it's it's so much takes so much effort to just be like tough and tight all the time it is man flex and just be that i know i get like like just like (sighs) you know just like all the time for what it is i was watching i I can't remember the name of the show i was watching with my girlfriend the other day and the like the the two main characters break up right and then they show scenes of the girl in bed crying and, and feeling her emotions and everything. And then the other side of the story is the guy is just hanging out. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I've been in those situations. I felt like shit. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the energy to go out and pretend like nothing was happening. I felt like crap. And a lot of other men feel that way. But mm. we're we're brainwashed into thinking that you can't show your emotions you have to be that tough guy Mm -hmm. you have to wait for the other person to come and talk to you and you don't show emotions and you don't fight for things you care about nope if it's done it's done i'm the strong silent type that's how i operate and it's so bad because too many men end up hurting themselves in the long run too many broken relationships that you can't fix anymore Mm -hmm. too many men lose so much that they get to the point where they take their own lives Right. Like, how do we change those conversations? How do we change those narratives? It starts by normalizing those conversations in the right way. And and, and normalizing different ways to show emotion. A hundred percent. Because it's so crazy how the word emotional has been stigmatized to just, you know, mean like crying or, you know, Mm -hmm. like that. But anger is an emotion. 
the roughest one of them all. Yeah. If you if I rage out and I throw this, I'm being emotional. Exactly. Yeah. It's not looking as being emotional. It's not. Yeah. And why is that? Right. Like when I when somebody is irate, right? The, to the you know, they've gone even past anger. That's just the same. That's that's the same, but on the opposite spectrum of somebody who's visibly crying and can't you know can, yeah. can, can can't even breathe because both, they're overwhelmed both have lost control of their they both process. lost control yeah and that that same type you know they both need to be valued the weight still needs to be held on both ends mm -hmm. and so for me whenever i you know i always remember growing up people would say you know you know women are so emotional women are so emotional I'll be like, no, no, men are emotional too. <laughs> it, is, it is, we don't describe, you know, the way that men typically show emotion as emotional. And in that, in that setting, we're actually more emotional because we have difficulty accepting processing and processing and delivering that emotion. So mm -hmm. we like, we're just, at least in this women being emotional sense, they, they're in that emotion, mm -hmm. right? We're like angry, but then we're, sad but like we're mad because we're sad and then we're angry because we're even sad that we're mad and it's just like if you just sat in that maybe sad for a little bit mm -hmm. <laughs> right but it's so it's like we're actually doing much because actually going through more emotions they're just okay boom they're here mm -hmm. right and and debatable if you want it might be there for too long but they're still in that emotion opposed to just dancing around it and i also think it, like how much of it is we're very men are typically practical right yeah. like we, we're solutions oriented if this happens then this is your natural conclusion but emotions are not a to b they're not right and there's a lot of gray in there and for us to sit there and have to process that and not come up with an immediate solution to it i think just frustrates the process even more it's why i hate the words why are you crying why are you so angry mm. Mm. that's the worst question you can ask somebody <laughs> yeah, when they're feeling something <laughs> yeah mm. ask them what are you feeling yeah yeah People Probably always say, like, them. men don't open up, men don't open up. I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to open up when you're saying, why are you so mad? Why are you so mad? Because my first response is, I'm not mad, but yeah. I'm mad. Yeah. Yeah. Ask me, what are you feeling? Sometimes you can be mad about something that's not even really and truly, like when emotions settle is not a valid reason to be as mad as you got, but it just elicited that reaction. If you get asked, why are you so mad? and you want to now regurgitate that back to the person, you know it sounds stupid, mm -hmm. and that upsets you even more. Mm. But I like that because if you go, what are you feeling? You go, right now, I just, I feel really upset. Right. I'm very disappointed that so-and-so did this, and I realize that, you know what, maybe I'm overreacting, but that's just how I feel. And I think that's such a healthier, cleaner way to get to a solution than why are you mad? Yeah, it's <laughs> such a it's a, it's such an escape, you know, it's such an easy throw to that everybody says. Yeah, and I'm like, that's the power of questions too, right? Mm -hmm. That's the power of questions because you ask the right question, you can de-armor someone in a situation, mm. and then you can finally get to the root cause. Yeah, one hundred percent. Right. So sometimes questions in themselves can be triggering, and people don't even think about that sometimes. Mm -hmm. We don't really we don't really talk about it. Yeah. How much of this sort of thought process do you apply in your media interviews i can go down a rabbit hole <laughs> i can go down a rabbit hole right because let's say you know you're talking to the prime minister and you only have 10 minutes yeah right that means and you and you have three topics you want to get to that means you're probably only gonna have one question per topic yeah so how you ask the question will ultimately determine the answer you're going to get yeah. And people don't realize, like, that's the power of questions. And it takes time to skillfully craft a good question. And so I believe, you know, there are good storytellers and there's great journalists. And as you get better and better, it's how good are you? How good are you at crafting a question? Interesting. I've never looked at it that way. Even though we do this, mm. I, I've never looked at it from the lens of, like, how do you craft the question? What's from all the f individuals that you've interviewed? Was there one powerful lesson that you've taken away? Oh, uh, yeah, listening. We need, we, we, as a society, we don't really listen. Collective, you mean? Like, yeah. We just don't. We don't listen. This is why things are so divisive. Sides are not listening to each, each other. other. They're just yelling. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just telling you what I believe. Boom. Yeah. 
That's it. Half the time they're yelling into echo chambers. Yeah. Right? They're yeah. just yelling, 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 yelling. Nobody's listening. Yeah. This conversation is so great because we're listening to each other. Yeah. But most times, people are just speaking and they're talking at you. It's because it, people like it's, people just have debates now. I feel like that's what it is. I and mean, when you're doing a debate, you really just I'm just say what I have to say. Well, if it, you don't, if not, if not agreeing with me, then I don't care. But the debates too are just like these little short little, yeah. like they're a real debate hours mm-hmm. of just conversation right but when you see debates on television or, or whatnot they're they're yeah, you get two minutes to speak yeah, and then just like can't how much say anything it's not really like productive no no i don't think and no. again it's i think it's conditioned people to start to think it's like you've got so much time to say what you need to say so how much can i throw at you in yeah. that small window mm-hmm. how can i throw the most impactful thing i have to say and i remember back in my university days it was the same idea it's like all right i'm in a class i've got 60 minutes and we're talking about a topic it's probably going to last five minutes how much can i say mm-hmm. and if i can somehow get the last word in i won mm-hmm. my arguments could have been shit but if i got the last word in i won the argument and i think people are conditioned to think you just got to be loud you got to be aggressive and if you can sound like you know what you're talking mm-hmm. about that's all that matters oh my god <laughs> how many people on the internet <laughs> Just yeah. speak. This is what it is. People are like, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. it's like, okay, let's really break it down. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. That was you just spit out a whole it. bunch of BS and you did not even go into nuances or yeah. layers and all these other things. And but because it sounded good, people are, you know, Keyboard running warriors. with it. Yeah. That's the thing with social media too. It's not even just that. It's because the way the algorithms work, everything you see is what you believe in, what you agree with. So and if you get access to the whole world. And in your mind, okay, everybody, obviously the whole world agrees because that's what all I'm seeing on all these, like, you know, because you of think the, that, yeah. So you think, yeah, I'm not, it's not just me. Mm-hmm. Everybody believes this, right? And it's just like, on the flip side, no, 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 there's so many people that disagree, but you don't mm-hmm. see any of that because that's the way the algorithm works. So you start thinking, yeah, okay, okay, everyone's on our side. Now it's just like, it's an echo chamber. <sighs> yeah. And this is why it's so important for like, you know, like companies like us who operate just on digital platforms to be on these platforms yeah. and to be there aggressively pushing out content that is leveled and balanced and shows nuance and all those things so that we can try to at least help alleviate that because it's you're seeing it play out, mm. right? Like we're seeing it in every aspect of society. I mean, I'm sure we all have family members that are, are living in these mm. eco chambers, yes. and yes. they are well deep into that. <laughs> and you're can't like, pull them out. you can't, can't pull them can't, out. Can't tell no, them they no, are no stuck. Thing. No, they're stuck. And you're just like, damn. Yeah. What do you do now? Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. You just gotta have more conversations. More conversations. And hope at some point, like you can chisel through the the wall of noise that surrounds these people. Like that's really the only thing you can do. And then, but on the opposite, there could be some truth. To, to, to you know to what yeah. to what's being said there definitely could be some truth maybe not all of it is truth but there could be some truth so maybe it's also sometimes just about acknowledging that yeah there is some truth here but what about this this and this and this because there's also truth here yeah and that's all we all really need that's that's the empathy thing right mm-hmm. like as long as you can acknowledge that there's some truth here and I can acknowledge there's some truth here then at least we see each other yeah but that's where I think like I, I think that's especially important if you're having a political conversation yeah because that's where you can say like i can disagree with where you stand on a specific subject Mm -hmm. but i can empathize and understand why you specifically feel that way about that subject i don't have to agree with it Mm -hmm. but i can understand it i'm not going to vilify you for it i know like that's the thing like we can't people are vilified for just thinking anything yeah yeah you know? And I think we saw that especially in the last few years. Yeah. No matter what yeah. side of the spectrum you fell on when it came to, to lockdowns or political processes or whatever you want to call it, I think we saw how divisive our societies can get. Yeah. It, it's, it was so wild. You know, we would do a story on, you know, looking at the other side of like these mandates. Mm-hmm. As like, did, did we potentially go too far? And what are the, what are the effects that are happening? Because, you know, in the beginning, nobody's really talking about the effects, no. right? We're just trying to fix an issue and society was moving in one direction. And that's so understandable, right? Because we have this major issue and we have to fix that issue. And nobody really knows what they're doing. So they're nobody all knows. just trying to figure it out as they go. So there's some leeway in understanding that we're going to try this route. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is why I love people who speak out. Mm. I would never say to people, don't speak out. We need everybody to believe one thing. No, because people who are speaking out were saying... 
some you know a lot of them were just saying like hey these are the effects that you know are happening not everybody yeah. can just stay at home not, yeah, not everybody people, has a, people... a place that is big enough comfortable enough just to have kids and yeah. and a whole bunch of family in one place that's causing mental health stuff that's causing this thing Domestic that's causing abuse. these things all these things people are, are like you know they're only at home because of that time and i was like okay you're with this person who beats you now you're with them full time 100 yeah. percent right and so I'm not saying what was done for the collective good was was a bad thing. I'm just saying it's okay to acknowledge that there are there are effects and unintended effects on uh, that that can happen to certain people, and we have to acknowledge that. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people were looking for during the situation was just acknowledgement. Yes, validation. Be validation. Like, just be yeah. like, this is new to us too. Yeah. We're trying to figure it out work with us instead That's of being it. like, oh, this is the fact. This is the, we're not saying that. It's just like if you're like, okay, like we this is the first time this has ever happened. Yeah. We're working on this. As we're all like, as you guys are know, give as much as you know, but bear with us to trying to figure out what's what's popping. Yeah. Opposed to being like, you know, and then because I think that people be more something empathetic with that. It's like okay, well, because everybody's there's still human beings trying to figure it out. Yes, and that's right? the thing, right? And that's why we can't just sit here fault the decision makers, because we're they're human too. Yeah, and they're thinking, if I don't fix this problem, and even more people die, that's on me. Yeah. And who can go to bed at, at night thinking yeah. like you know? And that's a, that's the so the other side that's ups, you know that's upset mm -hmm. with these politicians. Remember that that these people are still people are human. Yeah, it's trying to figure say. out how to keep everybody alive yeah. and themselves and themselves too. And so they're trying to make the best decision in that moment. So this is why I'm like, we need nuance. Yeah, we need stuff like this. This is what news reporting unfortunately misses a lot. Well, right? I was going to ask you how much of like how much of a lack like did you? I personally found that there was trust issues with traditional media and mm -hmm. a lack of transparency in a lot of the reporting right and a lot of the the a lot of society that was marginalized a lot of society where people's mental health were suffering mm -hmm. and they were trying to speak out were had their voices silenced essentially how much of that from your perspective being so ingrained in the media space do you see as a, a source of the problem Here's what, you know, journalists really are doing the profession to tell the truth, the majority of them. But the framework of how the storytelling is done sometimes doesn't allow for any I idea outside of the two primary ideas that are present at the time to enter into the conversation. Interesting. So it's not that people are necessarily trying to not include those in. But when you're told you have 90 seconds to tell a story. And it has to be within that framework. Yeah. You really only have the ability to tell two sides of a story, which is naturally what most journalists go ahead and do. But the what we're realizing more and more and more people are realizing this, just general people, is that stories have five, ten sides. It's not black, yeah. it's not black and white. It's, it's always a lot of gray, man. And 99.9% of stories are just are gray. Yeah. yeah, gray, all shades, fifty shades of gray, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that. But what we have now, in 2023, what we what we didn't have in 1953, were outlets for yeah. people to publicly express that their side is missing from the story. Mm. Yeah. And so, just as like technology has evolved and people's appetite to consume, and to really deconstruct what they're being told. And informed by, they now have avenues to express that. And so I don't know if necessarily the medium of how stories have been told in legacy media have caught up with that. Right. Well, to match you have so that. Many, you have so many different outlets. Right. Right. Whether it's just through traditional, like traditional, or through social media or your own media platform, Substack, Medium, whatever you want to, like there's so many different ways to get information out there now. There are so many. There are so many, and so what? What you know, news organizations of of the times that we're living in now, they need to bring all those conversations together, and allow people and tell people this is based off of fact. These these projects are based off of fact, and these are not. I, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you need to believe this. Heck no. Man. We always have to question authority. It's the same thing when it goes to journalists with crime stories. You don't just take what the police tells you for as gospel every single time. Right. They are still an institution mm -hmm. that are there to protect the people that work for them. Right. So you have to go deeper. Mm -hmm. You have to still look at it side-eyed. Just like you would look at a victim 
and you would re, you know go corroborate their story to make right. sure that they're not like you have to do the same thing right so there you know as journalists it's very important in the media always has to remember yes these institutions have access to a lot of answers that we can get but they also need to be held accountable and you, we can't just trust everything always 100% mm-hmm. we we always still have to question we can't forget that right that's where in journalistic integrity comes in mm. right like i think there's if i'm putting on a newscast or a channel or i'm listening to you speak about something I have a level, I'm putting a level of trust in you that you're going to deliver the information in, a, in an authentic way. You've done the homework for me, essentially. That's why I'm tuning in. Yeah. And we rely on those individuals to ultimately do their job as diligently as possible to get that information. And to your point, to question things when they don't make sense and to double check things mm-hmm. when they make sense. And it's not easy. No, I can't imagine it is. It's not easy. You know, there's so many things that happen behind the scenes that many people don't know about, right? Because let's say you're a political journalist at Queen's Park in Ontario or at City Hall. Let's use Queen's Park, for example. You know, there's only so many Queen's Park journalists, right? Because you have to get a media pass and you have to be a part of the press gallery and all those things. And so if you're somebody who's constantly, let's say, questioning the government in power, for example... Mm -hmm. Well, you might start to lose a little bit of access. Right. Yeah. Right. There's a fine line. Now you got that. That yeah. the average viewer doesn't even sometimes have to take notice in. But the government who has all the access and who has all the power, don't forget when they want to exert that they can. Yeah. And they can give access to people who might seem a little bit more friendlier. Yeah. Compared to somebody who's always chipping away at things that they don't like. Do you find for in your scenario, uh, can I call you independent media? Of course. So uh, can I just say something as well? Yeah. The reason why I just want, br- brought that up is that as I'm trying to educate like viewers to know mm-hmm. that like when you do see people who are challenging the status quo, don't necessarily just push them off. They're, when when the people have support like that, they need that support because yeah. they're going after, they're going up against big, yeah. powerful institutions who have a lot of money and a lot of resources. Right. It's not easy. Sorry. No, no, don't be. Um, as independent media, do you find that you come across, like you come up against the wall at times when you're trying to break certain stories or trying to get into certain spaces? In the beginning, yeah. In the beginning, because, you know, access requires visibility. Mm. And our media, ecos- our media ecosystem in Canada is very, very limited to a select few media companies. Yeah. Right. It's just the nature of how our industry has been, how it was built and how it continues on. We have been so fortunate at Gona's Media at the BG show now with our new acquisition of Now Toronto. Congratulations built on that, a, by the way. Thank you so much. Where we built so, a solid name recognition. We've built a solid audience who supports us vigorously. Where if we do request interviews with politicians, they know that we have an audience who's looking for those things as well. Mm-hmm. And who will help us call it out? Mm-hmm. And that's what people don't re- like. If you do love, if you do support independent media, it doesn't have to be our outlet, but support them mm-hmm. and go deep because they're important. It's important. Yeah. It's super important. Oh. I'm not beholden to 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. What are you going to get out of 90 seconds? I can I can talk. I can I can do I can cover for a whole 20 minutes on YouTube <laughs> if I really wanted to, and mm-hmm. I'll push out. Cli- we'll push out clips all week long. Yeah, all week long. So you know, there's, there's a space and there's an area. But you know, you gotta. The audience has to support that to make sure that it's sustainable too. Yeah. Tell me about this now deal. Yeah, this. <laughs> it's it's exciting. That's a that's a yeah. pretty big thing. Yeah, it's exciting. I remember, I remember, used to read the the now when I would go to school. Yeah. The gold trade and stuff. Yeah, it was always yeah. inside those little. I forget what they're even called. Those, those green boxes. boxes. Yeah, yeah, right by the the TTC stop. It's gonna be digital only though, right? Yeah, it's digital only, and um, you know, it's a more than forty year old publication. Is that? Is that because Prince dying or just? Yeah, I mean the reality is, is I I I, I don't know anybody really reads a physical newspaper yeah. anymore, yeah. but everybody's on their phones. Yeah, and so it's just delivering content the way people want it consumed, not the way I'm going to tell you that you need to consume it. Mm-hmm. Right, I I have to adapt to how you, everybody is consuming content. And so that's why we went digital only. But for us, you know, as a digital media company, 
you know, with a brand that started off of my own name, you know, to be able within two years to acquire what was a legacy mm -hmm. media company is a yeah. huge, huge yeah, thing huge. for not just for me, but my entire team, but also for the people who've been supporting us, our community, our audience. So can you walk me through like whatever you're allowed to talk about in terms of like how that deal even came about, mm -hmm. like how you decided to pull the trigger on it, what your plans are for it? Yeah. So I, I can't go get into the nitty gritty, but what I can say is that, you know, now was at risk of being gone forever mm -hmm. um, because the previous ownership unfortunately um didn't do what needed to be done and w ran into you know a dark hole and so when we found out about that there was an opportunity potentially to save the brand we had to see how could this be done in a sustainable way not just for us as a company but also for the brand moving forward and so what for us that looked like was a yes digital only mm -hmm. Could be a few things that we're going to announce. Just going to say. <laughs> just, gonna just drop that in there. Sounds, sounds like stay tuned. <laughs> um, and then how does that look like, you know, in terms of a team and topics and things that we're going to cover? Mm -hmm. And so when I looked at it, I was like, okay, can we start something ourselves from scratch? Or do we take something that is so synonymous with Toronto and what it's done for creating a platform, A, is an independent voice for artists, for the culture, entertainers, all these all these groups of people, and try to reimagine it in for 2023 and beyond. And so I kind of looked at the pros and the cons, and both options had pros and cons, right? Sure. There, it, it's just going to happen. Sure. There's no deal that's going to be all pro. That's it, yeah. right? But I knew what my team's intentions were and are. In, my, in me, myself. And I'm like, and I truly believe, you know, we could take this, we could revive it, give it some love, and it's going to take some surgery. <laughs> some, some cosmetic Right, this is with a scal you know, scalpel. Um, but do something that needed to be done so we could save such a legacy institution. Hmm. And so that's why we ultimately went with that decision um, to, to move forward with purchasing the Now brand hmm. and, uh, and not starting something of our own. Yeah. Um, and it's been a good decision and I'm really excited. I mean, I'm really happy. We have a great team. You know, we have uh, this amazing woman named Carissa Wilson, um, who's leading the now team and she is so talented, you know, so talented. She's the first black woman to lead a major newsroom in the city. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. You know Congratulations what I'm saying? And it's just like, but she's somebody who walks through the world again with empathy. Right. Yeah. And I'm just proud that. We're just building a team of creatives and storytellers who, again, walk through many doors in the city looking for a seat at the table and never really felt comfortable being at the table. And I can't talk for everybody's story, but what we're really trying to build at Gona's Media is a place, a table for everybody where you can feel comfortable. I don't care what you look like, where you come from, mm. but I want the table to reflect our city. That's what I know for sure. I want mm. it to sound like our city. If you go on the subway, if you go on the streetcar, our city sounds a particular type of way. Yeah, so it needs to reflect that, right? We need to be that reflection. That's what we're working to do. We're working real hard. <laughs> Listen, we're working kudos real, real to you hard. and the team. Yeah. That's that's a that's a huge undertaking. Yeah. But it has to it has to be done. Yeah. And uh, man, that's what a ride you're on. <laughs> I know. You know what's crazy? I don't know if I if if. It so I did a TED Talk last year mm -hmm. in 2022. And um, part of the process of doing the TED Talk was like you work with a coach and you try to figure out something about your life, a full circle moment, something that you can talk about that has meaning. And during that process, I didn't even realize this before I started doing this process because I was going back like even to high school. Like like we, were, we, we had sessions, like there were tears, there were all these yeah. emotions, like anger, there was all these things because you're thinking about things, you're recanting stories. But one of the stories that came up was back in, like when I was in high school, I, had, I was in a business class and one of my projects was to create, a, you know, my own business. And I created a, a media company as my project. <laughs> so you were manifesting it a lot earlier. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You forgot about it. And I, they, I had yeah. forgotten about that during my journey of working in television. Yeah. And I didn't even think about it when I started my business. 
it was only until like I'm on this journey of doing this TED talk and I'm going through the years and going through notebooks and thinking about and and photos and I'm talking to and and then my my coach was like holy shit I'm like holy shit <laughs> <laughs> the best <laughs> well listen Brandon thank you so much for coming through thank we you really appreciate having, having you thank you this was an much, awesome man. talk yeah learned a lot yeah. And you're on an incredible journey, and I'm excited to watch where this goes. You got two fans here that are going to root yeah. for you from the side. I appreciate yeah, you guys. Yeah, man. Yeah, you guys doing... are killing it too. Thank appreciate you. It. We're, yeah. we're just trying here. No, 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 no. You're doing. We're doing. Thank you. There you go. You guys are doing. But listen, and I keep appreciate doing you coming through. Um, let's have this talk again soon. I would. I would love yes. it. Yeah. All right. All right. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you, everybody.